The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. These are weird times. I don't know if you've noticed. We've got some examples of that coming up this hour. But so last night I was filling out some paperwork for my son. And uh, it was on a website. Appreciate it once that. I hate the, the, the idea of in the modern world having to print out a piece of paper, fill out all the form, all the slots. Scan it. Scan it and send it back. Are you serious? Fax it to us. Anyway, so this was online. I appreciated it. But um, what is your child's gender identity was the question. Not just the, you know, for a million years, it was just check MRF. Right. Because you're one or the other. Yeah. But uh, what is your child's gender identity? Choose as many as you like. This is for a health professional. So. Choose as many as you like. <laughs> yeah, so right off the bat. There are... Two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten choices. Ten choices. Choose as many as you like. Female, male, non-binary, agender, which I'm not sure I'd ever heard of. Uh, bigender, cis, gender fluid, trans, decline, other. That's crazy. I think once you've gone down the road to ten, you got to do all 175. I'm pan demi Non-fluid, gender, non-specific, demi-pan-pandemi. Two-spirit. Two-spirit woman boy. Right. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, you, you, if you go to 10, the people you've left out are going to be very angry. But anyway, that's where we are. 
which leads us to this. This is a uh, cop pulling a young person. It's a chick, but a young uh, a woman over, and it goes rather oddly. Do you understand what's going on, though? Yes. You're going into oncoming yes. traffic. I know, and I just decided that it was better just to turn around. I just have, like, really bad social anxiety and stuff. I get you. I don't just go ahead and step out. Step back here, please. Miss Perry? Am I... Well, I'm non-binary, so... Okay. How can I refer to you tonight, Kai? Okay. Hey, I'm smelling alcohol. I know. How much have you consumed tonight? Like, probably three drinks. I need to run you through some tests right now. Stand facing me, please. But I just want you to know that I also have very bad social anxiety. You and me both. Focus on my finger, please. I am. You're just, like, trying to intimidate me. I don't know how I'm trying to do that. This is the test. As you know, as an indigenous person, and there's a bunch of going around, I'm sorry, but... It's just for me to be on my toes. I get you. As an indigenous person, there's a bunch of S going around. Yeah, amen to that, sister. Brother. What? (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) as much as I expected to be outraged by some of the woke crap, what I'm mostly getting is serious drunk girl energy. Just spouting nonsense. Hmm. There's plenty of the former, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's roll on. Now, with your right foot, place it in front of your left in a heel-to-toe-touching manner with your arms by your side, just like this, ma'am. Can you not call me ma'am, please? I'm trying my hardest. Okay, okay. Okay. It means a lot to me. I'm trying my hardest. I don't feel like a man, so... Okay. It's kind of triggering. Right foot in front of your left. Nope, go back. I'm sorry, but the whole man thing, just like... I apologize. Let's see if we can move forward from it. You have zero questions? No, but I just want to tell you that I suffer from really bad anxiety, especially uh, with generational trauma and PTSD around white people and cops. Generational trauma. She keeps dropping more various concerns she has. Now, I have a family member with bad anxiety. It's a a, a real thing, but um, in terms of... He called you ma'am, and now you're triggered, and it's really troubling to you. Because of her generational anxiety. You're in a lot of trouble. You're going the wrong way on the highway drunk. You better put that on the back burner, the whole whether somebody calls you ma'am or sir. You're in a bad spot. Yeah. I would would focus on the whole, am I going to go to jail or ever get to drive again for the next five years before I get to the, you called me ma'am, and it's triggering. What a beautiful example of how cultish ideology can blind a person to reality well and not to mention not just the legal problems you're gonna have for you thank god you didn't kill anybody right you should be so horrified you were going the wrong way on the freeway and how many just innocent people you could have killed good god well like your favorite band at a big concert we've saved the saved the best for last i'm gonna speak with you right over here okay no yes ma'am Go ahead and place your hands behind your back. Don't, dude. Don't make don't, it hard. Please. Don't make it hard. Don't. You're being Come a here. white man and Come don't. Here. I followed all of your shit. Like, I'm an indigenous person like you guys. You guys are scaring me. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're being a white yes, man. There is. You're being a white man. You're being a white man. Oh, uh, I guess I am. <laughs> I'm an indigenous person. So, so F you guys. As an indigenous person, F you guys. Well, generational trauma. 
Wow. You know, seriously, and eh, poor kid. She didn't raise herself. She didn't no. educate herself. No. No, she had really smart, expensive tutors telling her that the the way she thinks the world works is the way the world works. So when she runs into the real world and she has to deal with it, it ain't her fault. There needs to be an extended period where she is kept in the home. When she's brought out, it's on a leash. Fed biscuits when she behaves properly. Praised and petted. Uh, you are a white man. Because, she, yes, I am. Um, you just triggered me. Did you call me a man? You have triggered me. Because she is not ready for independent humanhood. Like adulthood. Not even close. Yeah, well. Holy cow. Well, imagine. Yeah. Now, you've triggered me. You've triggered me. I can't walk heel to toe because you've triggered me. Wow. We've talked a lot about this, but, man, if you if you live in a household and then go to a college where this sort of stuff is treated seriously, there's no reason you would know any different that when you get out into the regular workplace world, nobody's thinking about this stuff. Right. Nobody's thinking about your generational trauma or... First peoples or whatever the whole thing was and the pronouns, just it's not on people's mind, really. And I will never for a second deny that there is real depression, anxiety, that sort of oh, thing. Absolutely because there is. absolutely is, 100%. But as, you know, Lukianoff and Haidt pointed out and others have followed up on their work, we are teaching our young people mental illness. We are drilling it into them. People who would otherwise be quite healthy now are not because we've taught them systematically to catastrophize every slightly annoying thing that happens to them and ascribe the worst sort of motivations. Like that cop. You pulled over for driving the wrong way drunk, and you're certain he's making you touch your finger to your nose because he's a white man. What the what? Yeah, that was something good. Good grab, Katie. Glad you got that for us. That poor kid. She's doomed. Oi. And take a while to come to terms with the real world versus the world she thought existed out there. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a rude awakening. I'm familiar familiar with some young people who are making that very, very difficult journey now. Wow. Okay. Uh, you could have any thoughts you want. we got other stuff to talk about. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Down a dirty road. For now, panda diplomacy is dead. Uh, yeah. The zoos in Memphis and San Diego have already had to send their pandas back. Atlanta Zoo will have to send the last pandas in the U.S. back. It's happening across Europe. It's happening next year in Australia. That China basically is saying, we don't need this kind of goodwill diplomacy anymore. Yep, that is what that announcement is from China. Them repossessing their pandas is, we don't have to pretend to be like nice to you anymore. We got, you, know, you figured out what we are, and we're adversaries now, and so there you go. I don't understand why we gave the pandas back. What are they going to do? <laughs> I've got this article on how they're swarming and surrounding Philippine ships and harassing them and ramming them and the rest of it. Just pure bully face punching. Well, we've got to give the pandas back because they asked for them. I mean, we should, obviously. you got to be better than your adversaries, but... Regarding panda acquiring? I really like pandas, all right? I never saw them in person. Missed my chance. Huh. I saw him in San Diego a couple of times and in, in D.C. Um, I guess Atlanta's the last couple of pandas in the country. Let them loose. My son Henry is here. Can you turn on his microphone, Michael? Have we ever seen the black and white pandas? I don't think we have. We've been to a lot of zoos. No, we haven't. Yeah, so we missed out. There you go. We gave them back to China. And unless we go to China, we will not be seeing the pandas. Go to Atlanta. So I came across this story yesterday. And uh, I always used to think about this when I watched The Sopranos. I love The Sopranos. Uh, watched every episode multiple times and everything like that. But the reality of it often, like, the, the things would happen that was supposed to be funny or cool or whatever, and I'd be like, eh. Um, the reality of it, for instance, played out yesterday as 10 Gambino crime family mobsters were indicted over violent attempts to take over the New York City garbage hauling and demolition industry. is the oh. exact thing the Sopranos were doing you know, I mean, waste management is the garbage industry. But the sort of things that these guys were doing to try to take over it, exactly like it was on The Sopranos, ain't so cool in real life. Uh, including a hammer attack that sent one worker to the hospital, threats to people's businesses, one guy. So it's basically like, you know, you show up somewhere and say, uh, you need to start paying us, you know, 5% a month of what you make. Um, and they say, well, why would I do that? Because we're telling you you should. Well, I'm not going to. And then they hit you with a bat. Or drag you guys out of their trucks. Yeah. And go to work. Yeah, or it's, in, it's horrible. Or in one case here, they uh, they showed up to a guy's house and said, yeah, nice house you got here. You know, classic mob stuff. But I like I remember an episode of The Sopranos, and it was kind of you know treated like a dark comedy. But it was when Polly Walnuts was going to try to take over um, the lawn maintenance in some big neighborhood of New York. 
And so there's a guy doing the trim trimming tree trimming and stuff like that. And Polly Walnut says, you know, you start gotta gotta start paying me five percent. He's like, no, and Polly Walnuts breaks his arms. That happens in real life. Yeah. And it ain't funny or cool or anything. No. No. And it would be you'd be scared to death to end up in that situation. You'd almost be in a situation where I, I either gotta do this and once I start doing it, then I'm involved in this. Or I got to move. That would honestly be your situation. Yeah, that's awful. So this particular garbage truck driver situation, who was turning them down, they showed up to his house. Then, the, then the next night, his uh, the stairs leading up to his house catch fire. Somebody set him on fire just as a message of this is the sort of thing we'll do while he's there with his kids. Yeah, I mean it would be yeah. horrible. There's nothing cool. Uh, why? Why do we romanticize? Because I I love the Godfather movies. I love the Sopranos. I love Goodfellas. I love all that stuff. But why do we romanticize something that awful? Yeah, I've I've read answers to that very question, and it has to do with we long for days of where there's a specific code. A code of loyalty and, and set rules. I get that and, part. I don't get the putting up within movies the the other part, the what they actually do. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd and probably unhealthy. Is it just the fantasy of having that sort of power and exercising it? Has it existed all the, all the way through? People being afraid of you? Do other countries do this? Has it always existed in culture where you kind of... Romanticize this sort of stuff. Romanticize just like the worst thing that would practically ever happen to you. I think, yeah, it's probably pretty universal. I'm trying to think of examples. I know, like in Jamaica, where gangs are a big thing, a lot of the the uh, the reggae music was like, well, it's a little like gangster rap. It celebrated the powerful and the uh-huh. slick and the you know the antiheroes and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's probably more or less universal. I'm I'm half shocked that the Gambino crime family is still doing stuff like this, right? Right. They kind of feel like uh, yesteryear. My whole life, going way back to when I was a kid, they're always announcing that. That's the old days. The mob doesn't really exist anymore. And then uh, my whole life, there's always been stories coming out showing that the mob absolutely still exists. Oh, yeah. Well, they try to pitch that idea that there is no mafia. What are you talking about? Um, uh, I worked with Gladys. I'm going to tell a story from back in the old days. Two, three, four. Thank you, Gladys. If you look over your shoulder, Henry, there's a woman in there. She's 130 years old. She's a World War One veteran, and she plays the harp whenever we reminisce. That's what's happening. She's here. very short. She's behind the uh, computer. <laughs> she can't see her. It's not a sound effect at all. It's an old woman playing the harp with her bony, bony fingers. Um, I worked with a guy. Uh, he was a really, like, not only a, a big guy, but he was like the thickest necked Biggest boned human being I've ever worked with ever in my man. life, like I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. a real bull of a man. Yeah. And he, um, uh, he was a sales guy at a radio station I worked at, and he got called out to Las Vegas by some of his uh, uncles one time, and he came back and he said, "Yeah, they're in the mob, and they wanted me to join them." And I, I just, I told him I'm not interested, but they wanted him to come out to Vegas and work as a tough guy for him in the mob. And he, and I said, "Well, how come?" I, we we're young at the time. And he said, because just, he said, I got other family members. Once you say yes, there's no getting out. I mean, it's not a, you can try it for a while and then decide oh. not to. Yeah. You're either in or you're out. I don't feel like this is working out for me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You I've know, enjoyed working with right. you. I met a woman. We're going to have kids. So I think I'll. Thanks for, thanks for everything. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. And he decided no, but a lot of his family members had decided yes. And I would assume he'd have been like breaking thumbs and stuff because he was. 
You could have broken your thumbs pretty easily. No, Chimini, this is this is too much. Well, that's what they do. I, I just, know. I didn't even read the the <laughs> like creepiest part of that article about the Gambino crime oh. family stuff they were doing to to people. Yeah, it's just it's horrifying. You can't believe that still exists in the year twenty twenty three. Boy, and we've got more rule of law than ninety eight percent of the countries on earth. <laughs> In the United States, and it still happens. And 99.9% of human history. I mean, like, compared to human history, this is just pretty much all of human history. There's going to be some tough guy or group in your sphere that you got to kowtow to if you just want to exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. I got arms like Linguini. I'd be kowtowing all day long. Oh, speaking of laws that ought to be enforced. So uh, uh, before this segment, Michelangelo's on the phone. And he's already like uh, uh, an octopus who's uh, on math. He's just so busy pressing buttons and stuff. But he was managing a phone call, and he was talking to us about an it. An octopus on meth. Well, That's it's the speed and the the, the, the tentacles. And anyway, uh, so he's he says he was talking to a doctor. He had to take the call. You know how it is. If you miss the call, yeah, uh, call us back at blankety blank, two, three, four, five. Right. You can call him back for the rest of your life. You'll never get a human being. So I propose this. Somebody leaves a message saying that. You call them at five-minute intervals ten times. If nobody picks up all ten times, ten years in prison <laughs> for the person who left that message. I thought you were going to say it's free or something like that. No, no, there have to be harsh prison sentences to crack down on it. I don't have a medical provider that leaves that message and I call back and can talk to a human. It's like it doesn't exist. It's like it's a prank. <laughs> It is like it's a prank. If you miss a segment, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
These elites in D.C. don't give a damn about what's going on in this country. They don't care that we have tens of thousands of opioid deaths, that the fentanyl's pouring in. They are not taking the type of action we need to. We're declaring it a national emergency on day one. I'm sending U.S. military to the border. I'm going to stop the invasion cold. I am going to deport people who came illegally. And I'm even going to build the border wall and have Mexico pay for it like Donald Trump promised. How are you going to do it? Yeah, Mexico's not going to fork over money. We're going to impose fees on the remittances that foreign workers send to foreign countries. We'll raise billions of dollars. I'll build a wall. That's from last night's debate in which four Lilliputians were on stage uh, chucking peanuts at the uh, the King Kong that is Donald Trump. That was dismissive and rude. I will not have it. And a mixture of a whole bunch of different fictional beasts that uh, <laughs> didn't really work out. I should have thought that through. You know, uh, I actually found it pretty entertaining. If you like politics and you like discussions of policy, it was good. And and it pains me to say this, NBC, for all of their sins, just ran a tighter ship, way oh, yeah. tighter than Fox News. Yeah, I felt like the candidates, other than Ramaswamy, felt like, yeah, last last time didn't work for us, so let's all be a little more grown up. And then the uh, moderators did a better job. I mean, how many times did they scold the crowd? A lot of times. Yeah, that was. I was going to bring that up. Uh, I mean, Lester Holt. Went full on, dad is serious now, to the crowd. We're not going to applaud. All right? We're all agreed. We're fourth grade social studies teacher. Let's not do this. We're not doing this. Not today. (laughs) All right. And seconds later, yay! They were applauding and yelling. All right, pipe down so everyone can hear the candidates. All right? We all agreed? All right? All right. Yay! Seconds later. I was like, okay. They're ignoring you. So I finally gave up. Suitably. But it was a tighter ship. Went pretty well. Only Vivek decided, I'm going to do the really talking fast and on top of you so nobody can hear what you're trying to say thing. Obnoxious. You're just the scum. Easy you're just scum. And Nikki Haley called him scum, which is an insult. So uh, returning to the border there, uh, it's funny. We talk about this a lot, how if you want to show what tribe you're in, you can't say something subtle to tribally signal. You got to go way, way, way far so everybody knows it. And it's funny to see it on my side of issues, like uh, the next clip, 54, Ron DeSantis talking about the border. And we're going to authorize the use of deadly force. We're going to have maritime operations to interdict precursor chemicals going into Mexico. But I'll tell you this, if someone in the drug cartels is sneaking fentanyl across the border when I'm president, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to shoot them stone cold dead. (laughs) Ambassador Haley. How is there no follow up on that? Ambassador Haley. Was that Hugh Hewitt? Is that who that was? Yeah. yeah. How is there no follow-up on that? How, how are you going to shoot him dead? I mean, like right there at the border, you see a guy with a backpack, you're going to just assume it's fentanyl and shoot him? Or are you going to, like, uh, apprehend him, look in his backpack, and if you find fentanyl, just shoot him right there just on the execute spot? execute him. Yeah, extrajudicial executions. I mean, you're a Harvard-trained lawyer. How exactly is this going to work? Yeah, I know. It's just silly. Maybe they'll ask him first, hey, is that fentanyl? See? See, senor. Boy, <laughs> boy. Shoot him down. But he was just signaling, I'm going to be really tough on the border issue. But that's, so that's where we are. You yes. say something like that that's never going to happen, can't happen, shouldn't happen. And, uh, and everybody's just like, well, that's not what he means. Right. Right. Getting back to your uh, charming King Kong reference. <laughs> I'm going to get and control a hundred foot tall gorilla, send it to Moscow, and have it pull Putin's head off his neck. 
<laughs> right. You know he's not going to. He's saying he's going to be tough on Putin. Right. I'm going to rip off She's head and poop down his throat. <laughs> I don't think you are. I did. How would that? How would you even get started with that plan? <laughs> but that's not the point. Then Nikki Haley, evidently, I must have tuned out um, by this point, talking about, um, well, go ahead, play 55. Ambassador Haley, if the United States uses special forces in Mexico without prior notice to the Mexican allies to our south, what would your colleagues at the United Nations think about that? Mm. I don't care what my colleagues at the United Nations think. What I'll tell you is... Yeah, go ahead and follow up. Next one. You have to go to the source. We have lost more Americans than the Vietnam, Afghan, Afghanistan, and Iraq wars combined. We lost 75,000 Americans last year. Go to the source. It is the reason why we'll continue to say we will end all normal trade relations with China until they stop murdering Americans. You watch how quick that flow stops. The second thing is we'll send special operations in to take out the cartels. We need to go to where they're distributing it, where the supply centers are, and take them out. We'll put 20 5,000 more Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. Hmm. Again, I liked some of that stuff, but we're going to completely end normal trade relations with China. If you called Tim Cook about that or Elon Musk or Walmart or Nike, damn near literally every retailer in America. Hmm. I mean, I don't hate the idea, but the idea that you'll just summarily do that as the president? I wouldn't want a president that had that sort of power. I'm going to fly to Beijing. I'm going to climb up on Xi's <laughs> oh, shoulders and pull his head right off his shoulders. <laughs> I'm going to send my giant ape when he's done with Putin. <laughs> All right. Then they ask. That's not cr- really much crazier than saying we're just going to shoot people when they come across the border. Yeah, come on. Uh, and then you got Ramaswamy who has a hack at the same topic in '57. One thing I just want to say in how we're talking about this issue is, you know, like Ron, I've actually met many parents across this country who have lost their kids to laced pharmaceuticals that have fentanyl in them. The only thing I would ask, Ron, I think you'd be on the same page with me on this. Let's not even call that an overdose. Right. That is not an overdose. That is poisoning. If you put that fentanyl in a Big Mac, we would not call that an overdose. You'd call it what it is. It's closer to bioterrorism. And I say that because as it uniquely relates to this crisis, that does warrant more aggressive means to deal with it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's like you've always said. It's not an overdose. It's a poisoning. You're poisoned. Yeah. But since it's coming from another country on purpose, yeah, calling it bioterrorism, that sounds accurate. Sure. People don't overdose on rat poison. They don't realize they're ingesting it. That's a poisoning. Yeah, Vivek was 100% right on that. Um. And and finally, we have a candidate who's going to be tough on the damn Canucks. Next clip. We'll use our own military to seal our own southern border. What we need to do is stop using our military to protect somebody else's border halfway around the world when we're short right here at home. Get serious about protecting this border. And then the other thing that hasn't been discussed is the northern border. I'm the only candidate on the stage, as far as I'm aware, who has actually visited the northern border. There was enough fentanyl that was captured just on the northern border last year to kill three million Americans. So we got to just skate to where the puck is going, not just where the puck is. Don't just build the wall, build both walls. Can't just complete the wall, use the military to seal the Swiss cheese for the tunnels that they're actually building underneath that wall. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. practical and actually get this job done. Thank you. 
The Canada-United States border is the longest international border in the world. It is slightly more than 5,500 miles long. And uh, as far as I know, I've never heard anybody say we should build a wall between us and Canada. Going to build a wall with Canada and make Alex Trebek pay for it. I don't. <laughs> Too late. No, nobody is talking about that. So I thought that was a bold statement. Yeah, yeah, it's bold. We're going to build a wall between us and Canada. <laughs> I liked his yeah. hockey reference, by the way. Yeah, huh? Slid that in there. Got to go where the puck is. That's good stuff. Grabbed himself the upper Midwestern vote there. Skillful. I suppose just because we haven't for a while, so we should get into the most sexually confusing part of the uh, the entire debate. Oh, that one. Um, just you can go back to back with uh, thirty-five and thirty-six, there, Michael. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which Ramaswamy. case, we've got two of them on stage Mr. tonight. thank you. Yes, I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, what? we got two of you on stage. The second thing that I will say is I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. What? All right, so you got Vivek desperate to get off his hilarious jab that both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis wear heels. Yeah, and they, they, okay. they, the DeSantis part of it got lost both times by applause. So he repeated, well, right, yeah, he repeated it and got lost again, yeah. Which was kind of an odd shot, okay, where's cowboy boots and... He's slightly shorter than he appears, so yeah, you win, or something, I don't know. And then Nikki Haley going desperately for the I Am Woman Hear Me Roar medal uh, <laughs> says, they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Wait, what? <laughs> you mean, you... I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't wear them for fascia, and I wear them for ammunition. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> You, you people with your clever jabs at each other are only confusing us. Yeah. <sighs> when she's when she's saying she's she doesn't wear them unless you can run in them. She means unless she can run in them. That's like a thing. When we when we pick out heels, you always kind of test run just in case. Oh, really? Yeah. You always want to make sure you can pick it up in case something bad happens. Okay. Well, okay. That that's interesting on its own. But how does that fit in with her? Well, she was saying, I think that was her saying, like, I could, I can run in these heels. So, you know, pointing out that someone's wearing heels doesn't make them weak. Yeah, well, that's a again. dumb thing to say anyway. I mean, that's just so incredibly it was a stretch, stupid. But uh, it was a stretch, but just to clear it up. That oh, she was, it, was, it was dumb going head to head with incompetent. And then what's the whole ammunition thing? Do you understand that? It, it's the powerful woman in heels. It's the she, she has power and she's, okay. she's a good looking woman. Well, yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. She's tooting her own horn. If I'm her campaign director, I tell her, try to be less mystifying. <laughs> she uh, She's the most presidential on the stage, to my mind. But um, Ramaswamy uh, makes my skin crawl. Yeah, when he's right, he's right. Absolutely. The, uh, the But the DeSantis heels thing. DeSantis either didn't hear it or just let it go by. There was a lot that was let go by. The one thing they did that I thought was great was they said, look, just because somebody mentions your name doesn't mean you get another speech, essentially. Yeah. Um, although I thought they under-allowed that. There were times when people took specific shots at each other that you got to give them 15 seconds or her 15 seconds to respond to it, but they didn't. On the other hand, you know, like uh, DeSantis, and I like DeSantis. I think he'd be a good president. 
his trying to pin a 10-year-old economic incentive for some Chinese-involved company in South Carolina that Nikki Haley's soft on the commie Chinese now. It's just weak. You know, they got into the whole abortion discussion in depth, and we haven't played any of that today. It it came later in the debate, so um, it didn't make many of the sound clips that people were playing. In fact, I was watching... Uh, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC this morning, and uh, his his wife actually said, "Abortion is the reason they all lost Tuesday. They didn't even bring it up." And uh, Willie Geist said, "Well, they 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 bring it. Yeah, they talked about it in depth. Each candidate laying out their specific vision of it. But it was similar to previous debates where um, uh, a number of the candidates are going really hardcore. You know." Uh, cutting back on abortion and Nikki Haley making the mention, look, we can't we can't get any of this stuff through. We just can't. I thought it was interesting when she said Republicans haven't had a supermajority that could, you know, um, get this sort of stuff through in, what, 100 years or something like that mm. in the Senate? So it's more tribal signaling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I wish we could get away from that a little bit. Now, in our I, politics. that ain't going to happen soon. No. Uh, we will finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is exactly how you can tell the difference between a millennial and a Gen Z, just by looking at their feet. Are their socks up? Or are they wearing hidden ankle socks? Because Gen Zs exclusively wear their socks up, and millennials still wear ankle socks. I'm a millennial. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I live in a college town. That's true for men and women. Socks up if you're under a certain age. Still the small socks or socks, little socks. 
<laughs> if you're older. But sock and it, you know, it's in reversing the trend because when I was a kid, everybody wore socks up, and then it went, you know, it goes a different direction. Sure, of course. Yeah, I socks just, up for uh, for the college girls. Why why do I need to determine whether I'm dealing with a Gen Z, as our British uh, commentator put it, or a millennial? So I'll know whether to do microaggressions against them, or I don't know. Or you could sad. ask them, "How old are you?" Uh, so a couple of things, very briefly. Uh, I happen to be in the lunchroom getting a little more coffee because I'm an addict, and uh, they uh, they were talking about the attack outside the Museum of Tolerance in L.A. A bunch of pro-Palestinian people attacked Jewish people, leaving a video about October 7th. It's terrible. And New York City schools, there are now a bunch of leaflets going out. All the kids are passing them around that they're going to do a big walkout in favor of the brave Palestinians and against the cruel Israelis, blah, blah, blah. And it strikes me, again, I think this is a major, a gigantic, tectonic turning point in people's awareness of what's going on in schools and universities. I hope so. I think many, many people have been uh, enlightened. We can talk about that more for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know, we haven't gotten to in the last couple of days because there's so much crazy stuff going on. Is oh, this my a- God. There's a government shutdown eight days away. Yeah, go ahead. Don't talk about that. Uh, no, no, no. The uh, The Supreme Court hearing that case Tuesday about domestic abusers and owning guns mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it is, I mean, if you can separate the, you know, the grim realities of some of it from the the legal wrangling, it's super interesting legal wrangling. During roughly 90 minutes of argument, several of the court's conservatives appeared skeptical of the ideas, the idea that a Second Amendment decision last year left the government virtually no room to take guns away from dangerous people. That's the conservatives. Um, in that decision, well, it, it codified, uh, it, it said that, Gun regulations must be, quote, consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearms regulation. And there really wasn't anything about domestic violence or firearms back in the day. So these lawyers are arguing, well, therefore, there shouldn't be uh, any regulation now. And the very conservative people who are behind the decision are saying, "Eh, I'm not sure we can go that far with you. Um but uh, then Justice Chief Justice Roberts asked uh, the federal public defender, you don't have any doubt that your client's a dangerous person, do you? Your Honor, I would want to know what dangerous person means, Wright responded. Well, I mean, somebody's shooting, you know, at people. That's a good start, said yeah. Roberts. Yeah, well, yeah, but where you draw the line? Exactly. Uh, I think it was uh, one of the uh, Justice Roberts said, is someone who drives 30 miles an hour in a 25-mile uh, zone, does that person qualify as law-abiding or not? Right. Yeah, good one. Let's that's, talk about this more tomorrow. That's good stuff. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day, starting with our technical director, Michael Angelo. Michael, final thought. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about millennials and socks. I just don't want to be old socks and sandals guy. That's what I'm trying to avoid. And I've told my wife, don't let me become that. Every college kid in the town I live in wears socks and sandals, so that's perfectly So that would make you young and hip, Michael. Exactly. Yeah, how about that? Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, has a final thought. Katie? I'm over here comfortably and very fashionably wearing low socks and Crocs. There so you take go. that. Low socks and Crocs. Mm-hmm. Rocking Crocs with socks. Oh, yeah. Jack, final thought? My youngest 11-year-old Henry joins me here for final thought. Quickly, what is your older brother who's now a teenager's attitude like? Uh, 
horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's a mix with a teenager, and he's also my brother. So yeah, yeah. this is unfair. So I'm letting you get the first word on the radio. Then he'll have a chance to respond maybe in the future. That was very diplomatic, though, Henry. Yeah. Oh my, he's got the teenager attitude. Oh. Yeah. My final thought is. When I'm elected president, my first week in office, I'm getting those pandas back. It was only weakness that let the Chinese confiscate our pandas. We need to show strength. And it starts with getting our pandas back. Here's a trivia question for you, Henry. Who else is going to have a teenager attitude in a couple of years? Not me. Yes, you will. No, I won't. <laughs> we'll see. I bet you $100 okay. that I won't. I'll remember hey, that. I'm witness. I'll hold the money. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour work So day. many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Got some great hot links for you. Pick up an A&G t-shirt, would you? Welcome to the spicy times. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast, etc. Yeah, too weird and too fast. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. In times like these, you can't afford... I'm strong and getty. Do you understand? I cannot understand the word you're saying. Come on. It is celebrated a Nazi in its ranks. Have you been a good little Nazi? It's going to be the last thing they do. Can't do that. Can't do that. You guys are scaring me. There's nothing to be afraid of. That's ludicrous. Right. And so grotesque. Don't. You're being Come a here. white man and... Uh, okay. Well, don't smoke crap. That high note? Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.